difference a year makes. 12 months ago, the Nolans were in town and County were top of League Two, making waves. Now not altogether harmony. They've come crashing down. Who's going to rock them now? Not me. I'm in the mood for dancing. Cue sexy music. This is the Totally Football League Show. If you manage to get any of those Nolan references, then you're more Adrian Clark than Sam Parkin. Is that about right? Maybe, no. you, maybe you are a secret Nolan fan. Uh, I'm a big music fan, but Nolan's probably not. Yeah, my era, but definitely not my, my kind of groove. Thankfully, we've got them both. And the love bandit that is Joe Crilly from William Hill. That is also the title of a song, in case anyone just thinks I've just called you a love bandit. You might be a love bandit, and I don't know if that's offensive or not. Is that offensive? Would I, we... I, I have no idea what a love bandit is, and I'm struggling to know what a Nolan is as well. Yeah, as he sits in his love bandit T-shirt made by the Nolans. For those fans of diagrams on the radio, Herbie Kane, the scouting report in diagram form, is coming up, is it not, Sam Parkin? Yeah, I think that'll work brilliantly on a podcast. But um, Has he ruined your programme that I saw you give Adrian? No, I pretended to sign it a personal what? message to Adrian when I saw when I realised that he was on the front cover, not until this morning when I opened my bag and the, the Donny programme was still in there from Saturday. Hang on, Adrian Clark was on the front cover of the no, Doncaster programme. Adrian Clark's favourite player, Herbie Kane, was. <laughs> Let's talk about a rather serious issue. £595 million. The reason I'm touching on this is as we're recording... If it's to be believed, then allegedly there are a group of clubs in the Championship meeting at the moment over this new five-year TV deal, which was done Monday, despite apparently some opposition from a large number of Championship clubs. West Bromwich Albion, Aston Villa, Derby, Leeds, they're some of the name clubs that, that apparently have got an issue with this deal. The deal, as we look through it, the basics of it... So the, the amount of money that I said, nearly £600 million. 12 EFL playoffs semi-final games will be featured. A minimum of 20 games in League One and two as part of the deal. All three playoff finals. 15 Carabao Cup games, including the final. 138 matches in total. 16 on Tuesday and Wednesdays and eight broadcast simultaneously. There's loads more to it than that. It was the nine-member EFL board that agreed unanimously. But the BBC have been saying this week that 21 of 24 championship clubs wanted the EFL to ask just for a bit more time with Sky to try and get their heads around it. Could someone else come in the EFL from their part? Said it is competitive. It's kind of the best deal that they could have got. Adrian, we're not going to see a breakaway, are we? But, mm. but interesting that someone's got to have said something to have these clubs meeting at a side issue. It's very interesting. When you look at the numbers and compare it to the Premier League, it's a vast gap. So I would understand it from the bigger clubs in the Championship why they're thinking, ah, couldn't we get a bit more here? But I will also sort of say that, that sh who else is in for it? You know, it's a competitive market. You've got the Leeds owner who owns a broadcasting outlet. He would know better than most. You'd imagine what, you know, he, he himself maybe could have could have tried to 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 lobby to to host the coverage i just feel that that we are where we are is there obviously isn't something better on the table what i will say is that five years seems long and a lot can change in five years in mm. terms of revenue particularly in the, in the way that we we receive broadcasting these days you can get it in any manner of ways year on year it, it changes it feels like five years is too long i would have tried to negotiate a two or three year deal whereby you know you can just assess the market and see how technology comes into play. I don't think it's going to lead to the spectre of Premier League 2 because 
I don't think the Premier League wants the Premier League to. I don't think there's any desire to potentially. I'm not saying water down their product, but they've got their their golden goose. I don't think. I don't think they want. They want a second division. So. I don't think the EFL had anywhere else to go, personally, other than to shorten down the deal. The strength of the football game that we love in this country is the fact that you could start in whatever, step nine, and theoretically make your way up and through the leagues, isn't it? So the minute you try and dilute that by taking any couple of leagues out, well, the Super League's not really holding any water, is it? It's surprising that they've gone ahead and signed it when there's such opposition. The, The time scale, I completely concur with that to put yourself into a deal for for so long when there is obvious competitors now uh, to the top broadcasters and more and more arriving on the scene as well. The popularity of the league seems to be uh, increasing year after year. I would expect globally as well. The Championship is a a good brand Mm. at the moment. And no, I have to concur with you, Caroline. The reason I fell in love with football is promotion, relegation, derbies. I mean, I don't know where these Championship clubs would go from here because we all want to see teams getting promoted. We want to see the relegation battles, everything that makes our country, our leagues, better than uh, the, the, the European equivalents, in my opinion. There is just one thing I, I would do to change it all, and, and I've heard Colin Murray say this previously about the Premier League, but I would do this for the Championship or the EFL. Just one game a week, I would show free-to-wear everywhere in the world. Just one game a week. Out of all that package, surely there's enough time mm-hmm. to do that. And to have that one game and how that would then promote and sell and sponsorship and everything else around that, yep. I think that might be one way forward. You're listening to the Totally Football League show in association with William Hill. For all the latest odds in the footballing world, check out williamhill.com or download the app. And if you don't spot something you fancy, why not tweet at William Hill using the hashtag your odds for your very own personalised bet. 18 plus only, be gambleaware.org and when the fun stops, stop. We're going to change things up this week and start with League One, not least because that was all we really had to talk about in the Championship until the fixtures at the end of the show. And, and League One, we'd gone into it, given it was international break, saying this was the week that Sunderland could take advantage. They couldn't. Portsmouth, of course, weren't playing because of call-ups. Sunderland missing that, that chance to go top. It was a 1-1 draw at home to Wickham. They got a little bit of company up there as well at the moment. Lots of hoverers in League One. There were good wins for Luton, 5-1 over Plymouth, Barnsley 2-0 Accrington, a 1-1 draw for the posh lot against Bradford. Um, that stopped Bradford's six-game losing streak, good for them. But managerless Wimbledon took the lead but couldn't hang on, losing 2-1 at Doncaster. There are now five teams on 28, only goal difference separating Charlton in sixth and 10th place Accrington. We were all salivating, weren't we, over this 5-1 for Luton? Was it total football? <laughs> Orange. <laughs> Rodney, I don't know what that was. I apologise to my family. Ian Holloway was salivating, wasn't he? Yeah. Compared him to Manchester City. I think Nathan Jones did, actually, so he must have caught his uh, back end of his uh, post-match interview. It's not like Nathan to, uh, to biggest, biggest nah. team up, is it? He, honestly, honestly. No, last year he was doing it, wasn't he? To the um, detriment of Accrington, wasn't it, when yeah. they were going for the title? No, no brilliant performance and very reminiscent of some of those performances from last year. Same system, Diamond, and big onus on the two fullbacks, Stacey and, and Justin, who's an exceptional player and, and not always held down a, a starting position. But now he's keeping pots out, who's been another fantastic player for Nathan Jones the last few years. So good squad depth and um, love the hat-trick. And Colin's not an easy hat-trick at all. First finish, left foot, in off the base of the post. Outstanding penalty. And the third one, they're difficult. Brilliant ball from Ollie Lee. And when you've got that time... It's easy to make a hash of it, so looks full of confidence. And him and Hilton are, I think, players that have always had question marks about whether they can step up. Yeah. I don't think there's a massive gap 
And I just think there's a lot of variables that go into it. You have to be at the right club, have the right manager, the confidence of the supporters, a lot of things that goes into it. And, and Collins looks like he's going to do the business this year. So brilliant. And um, I think we all fancy them in this room to get a second promotion on that evidence going to go very close I, I don't know why I'm surprised because Kenilworth Road is one of those places that if you go to you always think the home side have got an advantage the best home record in the EFL this season yeah outstanding I mean is it eight months I think since they were beaten there so they're the form team 19 from the last eight they're brilliant front runners actually Luton I, I, I looked at the, some of the stats from one nil up they have a perfect seven so they're seven wins from from seven but but the problem they've had is that they've only gone one nil up in seven of, of eighteen games. So, so they've been quite slow starters. So, but but yeah, they're, they're a confidence team. They play excellent football, fast tempo, typical Nathan Jones style. Over ten thousand, weren't they, in, inside Kenilworth Road? And look, that tells me that the the locals are, are voting with their feet, aren't they? They're they're really getting behind the manager, behind the team. They like what they're seeing. And you're right to point out depth. I mean, the captain wasn't in the team, Sheehan. George Grant scored loads of goals last year on loan from Forrest, isn't he? He wasn't. Uh, Danny Hilton wasn't. So, look, it's very, very strong. One other thing about Luton, only got one loan player, and that is George Grant. I, th- I don't know how you feel, Sam. I, I always felt as a player, mine one, maybe two, as long as they were really key men. I didn't like it. I hated it when there were four or five different loan people because... You'd always question a little bit whether you know their motives for being there, whether they wanted to be there. Do you agree on that or not? Yeah, and along with that, in an ideal world, you want them living in the area and buying into mm. the community, especially a place like Luton, like you say, that's come back from. Well, we all know that where they went down to. I was, you know, part of that team, and it was a horrendous time for everyone at the football club. So it's brilliant to see them back. Fantastic last season, take them, taking them a little bit of time. Uh, to get going again this year. But the away form, which I think everyone's been pointing towards recently, has not been too bad. Just one defeat in the last five. It seems to all be coming together. And with that momentum and how difficult it can be for away sides to play there, you, you have to fancy him. Growers, Joe Crilly. Growers and a bandit. I'm saying growers because you're wearing your gardening uh, jumper, which is this very, my, this my Christmas very heavy knit. Um, are, are Luton a team that have grown into this season? Absolutely. One of my friends uh, and former colleagues is a Luton Town season ticket holder, and he's been a season ticket holder since the dark days that Sam was talking about. Mm. And he said it, w- it would have been so easy for fans to get frustrated during those times and afterwards when they struggled to get out of the conference for a few years when they struggled to get out of league two for a few years but now under Nathan Jones they're playing some great football and he and he said that the way in which they've been playing this season a result like what we saw at the weekend was always on the cards and it's it's just happened now and I, I had a quick look at the the Luton Herald I, th- I think the local paper's called uh, the Herald and Times and the only player to get less than a 9 out of 10 rating was the goalkeeper. And that's because he had absolutely nothing to do and he, he couldn't really have saved the, the goal. Yeah, in the 89th minute yeah. or, or whatever it was. So Luton then, brilliant for them at the weekend. We were right, I think, weren't we, to all look at, at Sunderland? I'm looking at the bookie, but I think everyone thought Sunderland against Wickham. Sunderland will win that. Sunderland will go top of the league because uh, Portsmouth weren't playing, but it didn't happen. 1-1. I was one of the uh, the many, many people who backed Sunderland to win. And 
with us at William Hill, they were the single best backside on Saturday, and that's out of all of the domestic leagues and the international matches. 40% of every football bet placed no on Saturday way. included Sunderland. So that's singles and accumulators, so they let a lot of people down. What do we know? We know nothing, <laughs> apparently. Well, I, I, that really surprised me because I, if you look at Wickham's form, it wasn't, that, it wasn't bad. They had 13 points from their previous seven games. Pretty good form for Wickham, and, and Wickham are one of those teams. I think, especially under Ainsworth, where they, if you if you take your eye off the ball, they're, they're grafters. They, they'll battle and fight and scrap it out. So, I, I wasn't as shocked as everyone else. But yeah, I'm clearly clearly in the minority there because that's a great stat, by the way. That's the stat of the day. Uh, well, the, the the other stat that I loved alongside that, given that you were talking about Luton and, and ten thousand there, Sunderland. The attendance at the weekend was thirty thousand seven hundred and twenty-seven. Good brand stats on on Twitter. Combined attendance for Wickham, their nine games at home this season, is forty-four thousand nine hundred and seventy-six. The pulling power of Sunderland. I know we talk about it most weeks, but again, just shown in that. And the other thing, Josh Madgett with the um, equaliser, talk again of him going to, to Bristol City. He's going to be such a key player if Sunderland can hang on to him. And a thousand Wickham fans there, yeah. by the way, which is incredible numbers. Yeah, I mean, Madger, I think it's 10 goals from 14 shots on target or something ridiculous. And Jack Ross has been talking about his importance. I know that Chelsea had a look at him way back when, mm. prior to him going to Sunderland. So he's been on the radar of the top clubs before. And yeah, it's that, I mean, he's so prolific and so clinical when he gets an opportunity. And Jack Ross decided to go with Sinclair up front. And that's been a bit of a conundrum recently. And he left Max Power out on the bench. So you could look at it two ways. Stupid to leave them out or brilliant management to get that impact when they came onto the pitch. And not an easy finish again. Not too dissimilar to the Collins one. He's taken a really good touch and a lot of bodies on the line, but a brilliant finish whipping it into the near post. So he is vitally important, even more so on a day when Sunderland really weren't at it. Poor first half. Maguire, who's been excellent this season. McGeer, really off the boil. But credit Wickham and credit Fred Onyedimma, who's um, having a great loan spell there. And Gareth Ainsworth was absolutely delighted. I think it's almost that old... I wouldn't say non-league mentality, but Wickham have obviously were down there under Martin O'Neill going back years, and they've they've kept that kind of identity, Wickham, if that makes any sense. The, the supporters are heavily involved there. I love playing there because mm. you have, I don't know if you don't have that pressure, but you know that you have that real unity and you really, you probably get a little bit of time with the supporters. They're a little bit more patient than some others that I've played for. So it's a great club. And I'm delighted that um, Gareth Ainsworth's doing so well. Is there's a reason that Gareth Ainsworth's band is dog chewed the handle because he is all about that, isn't he? He's rah, 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 rah. And that's that's why they get the the performances, I guess, that he does yeah. get out of these. Yeah, players. and he he also has an eye for a player as yeah. well. I think, yeah, obviously on your dimmers come from from Millwall, but but yeah, no, over the years he's picked out some gems and, and managed to sell them on. So he's he knows what he's doing, Gareth Ainsworth. I'm not surprised he's been linked with. Uh, with other jobs. Uh, now, just purely because I want to talk about Herbie Kane again. No. On last week's show, we promised you a scouting report on Herbie Kane. Doncaster 2, Wimbledon 1. Simon Bassey was on last week. Managerless Wimbledon. He was taking them, so they're not actually managerless, are they, at the weekend? Score first. You were watching this one. How did Herbie Kane do? Did you see anything in Wimbledon that made you think things will start to turn around? Oh, I'll start on... Um... Herbie Kane, shall I? Oh, is this actually going to be how you do a sc scouting report via diagrams on the Yeah, oh, Yeah, definitely. Um, Go on then. Well, I was fortunate because along with Ali Crawford, he was the best player on the pitch, definitely. He's very, very energetic, very fit. And you know when you get a opposition player booked for the totting up 
about four Wimbledon players were booked for totting up fouls on Herbie Kane within the first 15 minutes. Can we just rewind? So if someone presents you with an actual... Do you get an actual report you have to fill in if you're doing a Why are you talking scout? to me like I'm an experienced <laughs> 75-year-old scout? <laughs> because I wouldn't have a clue. Play the game, Parkin. Um, I think you can get the... You probably get the goal on the pitch, so you could mm. do some... I've done it before. Yeah, I, did it. I did it. Well, I did it when I was a younger player, um, the, the Chief Scout Arsenal you, used to... Sometimes, I think to to sort of keep uh, keep me sweet, I guess. At least sometimes take me to a game, um, take me to Old Trafford, Anfield, all, all these big games. And say, I'll oh, do the do the set pieces for me. And this was obviously an old fashioned way of doing it because before there was so much TV coverage. So yeah, you would you would literally be scribbling down numbers on on a diagram that had that had an eighteen yard box and, yeah. and and point to where they run and do arrows and all that, all that sort of nonsense. So yeah, I did I did did do that back book, in the day. The bookies use this. Would no. it be worth no. using? Uh, what, scout reports? Yeah. No, but our, our our odds compilers are almost scouts themselves. So we have like a, a, a French football expert, a, yeah. a League One football expert, and that's all they do. So they know they know the, the players. So they could, right. in theory, get jobs as football scouts. From what I believe, if you're first scouting the opposition, you'll watch the game, you'll probably take notes, and then you'll probably watch the video back, and then you'll do it. You'll, you'll probably compile a 10-page document for the manager, of which... He then decides how much mm. goes to the players. Personally, I played in a you know different era. Mid nineties was when I was sort of in my pomp, I guess, <laughs> at Arsenal. You know, one of the biggest clubs in the land. We literally had a sheet put up by George Graham or Bruce Rio just before kickoff on the wall. There's one line on each of the other players. Quick, doesn't like it when you go inside him. Blah blah blah. Just a couple of little things for me as a player. That's all. I ever wanted to know. I didn't want too much information, but the modern player, I think, is a little bit different. Well, let's see if Sam Parkin's scouting report on Herbie Kane is of the modern era or back in Clark's pomp. The job is a lot easier when you're focusing on one player rather than two teams, which I have done in the past. But, yeah, I think some managers are probably more thorough than others. No, he was very good. He was very good, very impressive. I think... To go to the next level, to put him on the radar of championship clubs, I know he's at Liverpool at the moment, but I think a bit more getting in the box and end products and stuff like that because those two in the FA Cup last week were his only goals so far in 17 appearances but in terms of his use of the ball both footed can see a pass uh, very energetic like I said wriggling away from challenges and getting opposition players booked and and him and Crawford probably the main reason that they got maximum points so very very impressive what may go against him he's quite mm. old-fashioned barrel-chested quite short so you may think that he can't get around, but he's very athletic. As fans, we love that, though. We want to see a barrel-chested yeah. striker. Yeah. On the subject of scouting, I, I was at Southend for the check and trade game against Southampton, and Neil Harris was there. And Now, Neil lives locally, and he may just have been going to watch a game, but he was sitting right in front of me. And the standout performer was Drew Yearwood, who I bigged up at the start of the season, back from injury. And he was absolutely superb. He absolutely, he bossed the game, Drew Yearwood. Injured now, by the way. He got injured at the weekend. And every time Drew Yearwood did something good, mm. my eyes were drawn to Harris. And he, his head was facing where Drew Yearwood was. So I, I think that he went there to, to check him out. He wasn't taking notes. It was just one of those where he was clearly just seeing for himself what the fuss is about. So if you want a midfielder, you're going for Herbie Kane at the moment. Tick. Andrew Yearwood. Yeah. He's way too Ch- Championship loan next season. On, on Yearwood, he should definitely stay at Southend for another 18 months uh, and get regular football there. Back to Wimbledon. Just quickly, yeah, I think uh, signs in the first half for Wimbledon. Organised. 
And I think, obviously, what Bassey and, and Stephen Reid have done in, during their short period working with the team. But lack of energy, a lot of experienced old players. Mm. And I just I didn't see where the threat was really coming from once they were kind of uh, playing second fiddle in the, in the second half. So a big concern for them if they've got the, the quality in the squad to turn this season around. Mm. Joel? And just very quickly on Wimbledon as well, and their hunt for a, a manager. Oh, yes. Uh, they had 80 applications, I believe. Uh, for their manager, and that's probably something to do with the fact that they posted the job on Twitter. That was um, brilliant, all the championship <laughs> manager responses. Yeah. Like, I've won it with. I've taken Chester to the championship. Yeah. <laughs> um, was that how your response went? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but despite all of those applications, uh, there is a clear favourite. Wally Downs is one to two. Why? Why? Odds on. Why? I, I, as soon as I saw this, I was like, Wally Downs? I remember him. <laughs> I looked at his Wikipedia page. He's been a manager once. Brentford, 2002 to 2004. Which was the most exciting period in my life because I was at BBC London at the time and every time we used to phone up, Wally, will you come on doing an interview? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he put his brother on and we only knew, all he used to realise about halfway through, it wasn't Wally talking to us, it was did his you, brother. Did you ask him, where's Wally? Yeah, should have done, should have done. But no, I mean, it's, I mean, I'm all for having links with the club but, and I know he's, he's, he's kept in the game, he's in the Indian Super League now as an assistant to Steve Koppel but... Well, how about this for second favourite then? Nine to one, Alan Pardew. Oh, Alan Pardew. Really? Yeah, don't see it. Yeah, I I wouldn't be going for for either either of those two guys. (laughs) That's for sure. Now, where else do we want to go in League One? We've got Oxford United one, Gillingham nil. Oxford clambering out of the relegation zone. Burton one, Coventry nil. Burton, many saying we're in a false position on that performance at least. And Accrington nil, Barnsley. So good for Barnsley, that one, given the, the form that we've seen Accrington, Stanley in. You can go anywhere you like in League One. On Burton, I think they are on a roll and, and, and in a, a slightly false position. David Templeton, I've seen a few times in the flesh this season. Fantastic game at the weekend. Really exciting little winger. Um, Scott Fraser, again, was outstanding. So, um, so yeah, Burton are definitely growers, as, as you might say. Uh, Caroline <laughs> um, on Oxford yeah I, I think we should probably big up Oxford I mean seven clean sheets from 10 I mean that's pretty good isn't it from yeah. where from where they were which was which is in all sorts of trouble but come on Thomas the goalie did you see this goal Thomas yeah, Holy yeah. I mean that was the most <sighs> brainless piece of goalkeeping I think I've seen this season, the way he gave the penalty away, so um, so they got a leg up there. But yeah, I was, I was I was looking through you know some of the match reports of this game, big performers: Rob Dickey at centre half, John Massinio in the middle of midfield, and Marcus Brown is on loan from West Ham. He was he was excellent up top, so strong down the spine, and I I, I did get that feeling that Oxford might might start to slowly get themselves away from the uh, drop zone now. Yeah, one point above at the moment. Bradford bottom, then Wimbledon, then Plymouth, then Bristol Rovers, then Oxford United and Gillingham locked on 18 points. Anything swung, changed? I know you mentioned the the managers, but odds on going down, odds on going up from League One, Joe? Going up. Barnsley are now the favourites for promotion, despite not being in the top two. Just yet, uh, but they're on a great run of form. They're four to eleven for promotion. Sunderland four to nine. Uh, Luton have come into eleven to eight, and they're fourth favourites to go up from that division behind Portsmouth, who are the third favourites. And looking at the relegation market, Bradford may have got a, a point, but they're still clear favourites to go down two to seven. Uh, Plymouth after their thumping two to five. 
and uh, Wimbledon four to six and Gillingham eleven to ten. Yeah, I feel like something's got to change amongst those at the moment because it's just getting a little bit stodgy down the bottom of League One. At the Totally Show, for anything you'd like to say on League One, League Two, the Championship and beyond. Listeners, come rain or shine, your friends here at Muddy Knees Media deliver a whole host of podcasts to your ears every single week, and that's why we're giving the thumbs up to ShipStation. Yup, ShipStation, America's number one e-commerce shipping software, is now available in the UK. And why is that exciting? Well, with Christmas just around the corner, if you're selling online, you want to get your orders out quickly and keep your customers happy. And that's where ShipStation comes in. ShipStation imports your online orders from anywhere you sell, from eBay to Amazon, even your own web store, whether it's on Shopify, BigCommerce or anywhere else. So whether you dispatch one package per day or thousands per week, ShipStation is the shipping software for you. You'll get orders out fast and keep your customers happy. Happy customers mean more orders, and that is good for business. Because you listen to the Totally Football League show, you can try ShipStation free for 30 days, plus get a special bonus when you use the promo code TFSL. Just visit ShipStation.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in TFSL. ShipStation.com. Get ship done. Into League Two then, and we'll flip things up. Because remember when Notts County were top of the league, looking at promotion just a year ago. They're now in the relegation places and staring at non-league football, which is a happy sight if you love non-league. After a 3-0 home defeat to equally under pressure, Cheltenham will have more on that in a bit. International call-ups meant League Two leaders Lincoln had a weekend off. And unlike Sunderland in the league above, Milton Keynes took advantage. 2-0 winners over Macclesfield. They are top. Well, just when you thought it couldn't get worse, then it has for Notts County. Lee Curtis is from the Nottingham Post. Lee, I know you're trying to have a bit of a week off, but misery surrounds you at the moment, doesn't it? Yeah, it's uh, it's not been the uh, the best of uh, weekends, I, I have to say. There was a really, really poor performance on Saturday from start to finish, and it underlined the size of the task facing the new manager ever comes in. You know, there needs to be some serious work on the squad in January. Um, because if not, then they are going to face a, a real fight for survival at the bottom there. And just to wind it up, everyone, we've done it and been lazy journalists, has underlined the fact that 12 months ago, just what a strong position Notts County were in in League Two. Yeah, it's incredible to think. Uh, I think after the game, we, we, were, we were talking amongst ourselves, the, the local lads, you know, just how things have changed in a year. I mean, obviously this time last year, we're Notts County were top of the league and looking a good bet to, to get promoted. Um and then obviously 12 months down the line, they're sort of in the, in the relegation zone. But I think there have been some certain factors that have contributed to that. I think they have signed some players who haven't quite hit the, the levels that we all expected them to. The people like David Vaughan, for instance, Andy Keller, who have come in and have really struggled to find any form. And there have been problems uh, at the back end in the centre of midfield. And I mean, there, there were warning signs towards the back end of last season about what needed to be done to those two areas of the pitch, but I don't think they've been they've been corrected really. And and having problems with the spine of your team is is always going to lead to problems. Lee, I've seen that the, the obviously the action from the weekend and the, the desperate defending. I mean, in terms of the mm. the crowd, if you could paint a bit of a picture, how much discontent is kind of directed at Alan Hardy at the moment, and how much at the team? The, the fans have been remarkably patient. I have to say. I, They've probably stayed more patient than what I would have expected them to, given the the results and the level of investment. I think the chairman, they're they're quite happy with the chairman. I I think what happened 
at the weekend, you know, their, their patience did actually snap with the players. It's the first time that they've really given it to them both barrels. I think you're not fit to wear this shirt. Uh, what a load of rubbish. And, you know, they were giving them plenty of jeers at half-time and full-time. I think the chairman has obviously put his hand in his pocket. He has spent a lot of money in the summer, but, uh, you know, player recruitment is nine-tenths of the law at this level. If you, if you don't get it right, you know, you are you are really going to struggle. And I think that's been the big problem. I mean, Kevin Nolan obviously came in and did a fantastic job in the in his first few months in charge. Took them to the playoffs, did an exceptional job. And obviously in the summer, they, they wanted to go a different route, a, a different change of philosophy in football, wanted to be more pleasing on the eye. Uh, but it's never really worked and uh, allied with the problems at the centre-half and, and the centre-midfield where they do really lack a little physical presence and, and, and leaders. I'm not really surprised to see that you know they are they are suffering some problems this year. I'm really really surprised Lee that that they're okay with the chairman. It was one thing putting your hands in your pocket and spending money, great, well done. But he did fire Kevin Nolan a matter of less than a handful of games after he guided them to the playoff semi-final. You know, one half away from from going to Wembley, he sacked him. He told me. He's a future England manager, Kevin Nolan, and he fired him yeah. less than less than ten games later. He gave Harry Kuehl two and a bit months. It hasn't hasn't he embarrassed himself a little bit here? Well, I think he had the decision to make with respect to Kuehl. Kevin Nolan, uh, to be honest, uh, uh, in the summer there were a few fans worried about the form towards the back end of the last season, from January until the summer when they lost Ryan Yates back to Nottingham Forest and the form was very up and down and they they squandered the top three position and ended up you know in, in the top seven. So there were a few fans concerned then. And then obviously with the start of the season, they had, I think there was a poll on a, on a, a blog zine uh, online that, that said that Kevin Nolan was um, 51% in favour of, of his sacking, 49%. So it was a very close run thing. In terms of, uh, you know, obviously the chairman made a lot of investment in the summer. He brought in Harry Kuehl, wanted to go down a different route, but it just didn't work. So he's got the, he knows he's got to get this appointment right. I think he's even said it himself that he's under pressure. And, you know, this is a, this is a big decision for the football club moving forward because, you know, to have the whole world's oldest football, professional football league club going into, into the National League doesn't look very good on the resume, does it? National League would look forward to it, though. Uh, I know that's not the answer you want. You, you've written <laughs> well, about... I've been there before, so I'm not. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, but you enjoy that, Lee. No. Uh, you've written about Paul Hurst being favourite or joint favourite at the moment. Anyone else whispering around it? Uh, I mean, there's still talks about Neil Arley. Paul Hurst was obviously at the game at the weekend. Outside of that, there's, there's not really many decent candidates for the job, I think, outside who I think would, would benefit not. So I think it needs somebody who knows the league has done well in the league and has proven successful. What Notts does have going for it is the fact it's a big club at this level. Mm. It does have the history. It does have great potential. I mean, we saw last year for the playoffs, they got 20,000 through the door for the game against Coventry. You know, you're talking championship crowds. But there is this ambition that they've got to get to the championship, but I think they've just got to get a deal with the fact that they're in League 2 at the moment. Just briefly, do you think it will be Paul Hurst and do you think it will happen later today so that we'll do the mad scrambles we did last week when Harry Kuehl went and we'd already recorded <laughs> I'm not expecting any imminent appointment Thank I, goodness. Think Hurst, I think Hurst would be a very good appointment yes OK. Thank you, Lee. Uh, enjoy some time off. Mainly, I hope at least that it doesn't happen this week so you can put your feet up for a bit. Thank you for coming on. No problem. Take care now. 
Lee Curtis from the Nottingham Post, Paul Hurst, given he was there at the weekend. Uh, yeah, he's nailed his colours to the mast, hasn't he? Turning up for that game. That's quite, quite a bullshit move, really, on Paul Hurst's part. He, he clearly wants a job. Look, <laughs> we heard a lot about recruitment there. But they gave the previous managers money, particularly Nolan, to get the players... And then they fire him before those players have really settled in. So all those all those players they spent the big money on, the big wages on, they're playing for a manager that didn't sign them. And the next guy that comes in will be two managers on from that. So it's, it's I just the, find it ridiculous. But you know the problem is that we never know the full story. We don't know what was going on. Oh, I don't know if anything was full, going on, but well, we don't the, know the, what's happening the around story, the situation. The full story is that, that, that 11 weeks or whatever it was is, is never, ever long enough. So they've got to give whoever walks in long enough to, to make things right. Is it Paul Hurst, Joe Criddy? Uh He's the favourite. He's 8-11, to 11, Neil Ardley 3-1. to one. Then Wally Downs. No, not Wally Downs. Uh, then Paul Heck- <laughs> Then Paul Heckingbottom uh, at five to one, and they're they're pretty much clear of the rest of the field with Kevin Nolan at twelve to one. But yeah, Paul Hurst odds on uh, to get the job. If you want an example of what a manager can do coming into a club, go to Milton Keynes two 0 win over Macclesfield, and what Paul Tisdale has done since walking into Milton Keynes. Of course, no Lincoln City in action because of international call ups, and Milton Keynes, despite a bit of a, a nervous first half, coming away with the win. Sam Parkin. Yeah, I noticed that Tis credited uh, Macclesfield doing okay defensively, obviously well set up and posed a bit of a threat going forward as well in the first half. So. Had to be patient, and those strikers again. Uh, Agard four in four now, and, and EK had a wonderful bent first one with his uh, left foot, lovely goal. And they're doing very well. He highlighted Gilby as well, Alex Gilby, who um, got a great move off to, to Wigan from, from Colchester. And uh, didn't really happen for him, and he's, he's had a really bad knee injury, so he's coming really back to the fore now as well. So they're looking great in all departments because we've spoken so frequently about how good they are defensively. And nothing that I'm seeing recently, you know, makes me change my mind that they and, and Lincoln are far, by far and away the, the, the top teams in that division. I love the, the playoff tussle that's happened around it too. New, Newport 2, Colchester nil, Mansfield 1, Port Vale nil, Berry 4, Stevenage nil, Crew 3, Tranmere 2. I guess like League 1, it, it's tight around there, but you've got Tranmere on 30 points, Berry just behind them on 29, Stevenish 28, Forest Green 27, Carlisle 26, Oldham 24, Crawley 23. I know they're seven points off seventh, but but it's still very tight. But Berry over Stevenish makes some joint top scorers in the league, 32 goals. You look at all of those and you think it's those that have got the goals heading into this crucial period that will do all right. Berry doing very well Om- ominous I think is the word for, for Barry 30, 32 shots to 6 in that game I know that Stevenage had a player sent off in the first half 13 of those 32 shots were on target so look Barry I mean they're, they're a force to be reckoned with particularly at home so so yeah they'll be contenders we haven't really mentioned Mansfield much have we this year uh, because they were I guess draw specialists um, but but I think they've still only lost one, and they're and they've they're just creeping into the picture, aren't they? And and I think that they're looking good by all accounts. It was really comfy against Port Vale, who offered next to nothing in that game. It was a really good goal. I think it was sort of CJ Hamilton, beautiful little reverse pass from from Hayden White, and uh, yeah, I, I think that they're looking good. I did notice that the the Mansfield fans are a little bit a bit moody with the striker at the moment, Craig Davis, giving him some flack. Um, he was taken off quite early. I, mean, I don't know why I looked at you there, Sam. 
because he was saying Craig Davis. <laughs> yeah, you were, weren't you? Oh, yeah. I thought you just, you know, I was looking at you because, you know. singing seven days in my head. You and me both. Craig Davis. <laughs> Get our own show, Carla. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah strikers have got flack was why I was looking at you, but there you go. Um, yeah, so yeah, Tyler, Tyler Walker was 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 the boo boy up until a few weeks ago, and he, he's back in he's back in favour. So yeah, I think the supporters just need to get behind get behind the team. But but yeah, they're Fourth flying. Winning six games in right, it's those turning those draws mm. into wins. They're now one point off Newport in third. Have have they shifted anything in League Two in the, in the promotion or playoff race, Joe Critty? Well, I'm I'm looking at the the playoff prices now. This is teams to to make the playoffs, mm. and it's so tight. The prices you could pretty much pick anybody out of the top 10 at the moment to, to finish in the in the in the playoffs all the way down at, at Northampton and Carlisle you're still looking at single figure prices uh, at six to one so I mean the the playoff race is so incredibly tight and it's almost as tight as the the, the race to win the league uh, Lincoln are favorites to win the league at 11 to eight but Milton Keynes less than half a point behind what, at seven to four what price window to go down because I mean what what a shocking start for Richie Wells. 4-0 defeat at home to Carlisle. It's the worst mm. defeat of any Robins manager in an opening game since Swindon joined the EFL in 1920. Oh. Horrendous. Well, the Swin- Swindon are 20-1 to one to go down. Uh, so a, a massive price. Uh, but I think that's primarily because... Well, Macclesfield looked to have sewn up one of those places already. Yeah. Uh, they're 1-5 to five to go down, and, and Cheltenham and Grimsby are both 5-2. to two. Lots more rumblings this week about Chairman Lee power to and grumbles from the fans oh, I don't know what, what they can do but it's only one game for Richie Wellens yeah yeah absolutely what I will say is from the, looking at the goals they're all over the place defensively a couple of mistakes from from players that weren't fullbacks mm. that ended up in the fullback position really uncomfortable made mistakes that just tells me that they, they got pulled around a little bit too easily but by, by Carlisle. Um, what can they do I mean what can the fans do as opposed to what can the club uh, do but I guess well they've got to get behind the team and behind the new manager haven't they I mean okay you can you can have grumblings at the chairman but he's, he's, he's made his decision hasn't he Lee Power he's gone with Richie Wellens um, I don't think it, it serves too much of a purpose to, to, to be negative about that moving forward so now I think they've just got to get on with it and, and hope to see big improvement a word on Carlisle the away specialists they're joint best with Lincoln and NK Dons who we, who we have said are pretty much nailed on for automatic Carlisle 16 points from nine away games that's the same as those two clubs and uh yeah it was good to see Regan Slater get a couple in that game uh, on loan for Sheffield United and he's got one of the one of the best nicknames that I've heard heard in a while. The captain nicknamed him Scrappy Doo. Uh, <laughs> I'm not doing my impression. It's one of my few impressions, but I'm not doing it. He's Scrappy Doo because he's he's small, but he packs a big punch apparently. So uh, yeah, I thought I, was, I thought that was quite quite a nice little nickname for for Regan Slater, who had a bit of a blinder in that game. We all turned to Sam Parkin, uh, mainly yeah. though for your, for your old side Swindon, yeah. Sam. Yeah, I'm not going to go steaming into Richie Wellens. Similarly to Notts County, actually, they changed their, their system. I know it's Richie Wellen's first job, but he matched up what Carlisle did, and that always sets alarm bells ringing a little bit with me. And um, Adrian alluded to the two wire players, Emma Glashen, who Adrian will know well, played as a wing-back, and Ellis Iandolo is a good young player, but he's more of a forward, played wide left, and they started really well. And I think the Carlisle fans have actually um, echoed that. 35 minutes, they were on the front for a lot of overloads in the wide areas, and I think all the fans were thinking, hello, you know, he's um, he's he's practicing what he's preached in the in the week. Yeah. But I mean, because they were quite attacking, Matt Taylor was playing centrally. 
not a lot of support. James Dunn is the supporting midfield. He went off early because he's something, a, a personal issue, which is a, a big concern as well. And then obviously he's so fragile when they concede the first. So it's not a good place to be. Fortunately, during my tenure and my period at Swindon, uh, the fans were very good to me and generally the team. But when it turns out, it can be quite hostile towards the, the home players. So give him time. Credit the opposition at the weekend. But like I said last week on the show, it needs to be an appointment for the next year or two to try and get the whole club in a in a positive manner. Because at the moment I was there the day he was announced last week doing something else at the club and it's um it's not great at the moment. No, it needs something to, to breathe some life into them. Statistically, financially, bookies have a look at this, I guess, Joe. But at what point do you blink and think those teams are definitely going down? We're still too early clear for a definite but but who's doomed Macclesfield <laughs> <laughs> not too early for them uh, yeah but I mean in, in terms of uh, when we would stop accepting bets or pay out on, on bets I mean you, you look at Macclesfield now and they are getting cut adrift so it, it may even get to a point where just after Christmas for them if things haven't improved and they are 15, 20 points away from, from safety, that's when mm. we would probably stop accepting bets on, on a team like that. Seven points off it at the moment. Rock Bottom with seven points. Notts County above them with 14. Cheltenham with 14. And then it goes 18, 18, 20, 20. I mean, we, we, we don't really have much. We, we haven't really put much into into Notts County going down. They're, despite their terrible, terrible form, uh, they're still 5-1 to one to go down, which is, which is a relatively big price. Yeah, just a word on Cheltenham. We didn't really give them any praise for that performance. I thought it was excellent. They've gone to three at the back, but it's something they've worked on over a number of weeks and they look much better for it. Ben Tozer has, has ended up as being the middle, of the middle guy in the back three has been excellent. And what I wanted to say about che- uh, Cheltenham is that the Checker Trade Trophy, okay, the competition that no one really wants to go out and watch, it's you know, much maligned. It's kind of really, it's kind of helped them massively that they've, they've taken confidence. They walloped the Arsenal under-21 team, who progressed actually, and walloped them and it, it seemed to just reignite them. They won again in the, in the week. So I think the, the Checker Trade has a lot of good points to it and not least the fact that it can get struggling teams back into some kind of form. I mean... I mate, you're right, but it does just mean that the theme tune goes around in my head again, so thank you. Let's roll on, shall we? Championship then, we can return to ye and thee, because your Friday fixture in the Championship this week sees Ipswich up against West Brom and ends the weekend on Sunday with Villa... Birmingham, Rotherham take on Sheffield United, Hull, Nottingham Forest, Leeds, Bristol City, Millwall, Bolton, Preston, Blackburn, Sheffield Wednesday, Derby, Stoke, QPR, Swansea, Norwich, Wigan, Reading, Brentford, Middlesbrough and Breathe. No, you can't because then it's Villa Birmingham. <laughs> so it's all happening, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Great weekend. Obviously, the Midlands Derby is, is, is a standout. I've been to that game uh, before. <laughs> it's, it's feisty. I'd say it's often quite a dull game, though. It's, it's very, it can be very attritional. So hopefully it will buck the trend this weekend and we'll see a bit of an epic the one that, that, that I'm drawn to is Swansea Norwich. Obviously, we've bigged up Norwich a lot in recent weeks. Fantastic. But Swansea are a, are a match for anyone, particularly. They're quite mean at the back, aren't they? Yeah. And uh, on their home patch, I think that they, they'll give Norwich City a real game. If Norwich can go there and win and win the game, I think we have to really start to take them seriously. So that's, that's a biggie for me. Obviously, Ipswich, West Brom, Friday night. Um, Paul Lambert's had a couple of weeks now. 
to to try and work on stuff on the the training ground and West Brom coming off the back of that brilliant win over over Leeds so that'll be a good one to kick start the weekend and and another well Yorkshire derby Rotherham Sheffield United as well just um I suppose I don't know we don't know if um Sheffield United are going to be serious contenders just yet so mm. that's that's been an Achilles heel that that ground and that fixture for a few bigger clubs this season going to Rotherham let's see if they can get maximum points in what should be quite a heated derby your lot Crilly at Millwall I'm I'm going actually I'm very excited well no I'm not excited um <laughs> I'm excited. Aren't you excited? I'm, I'm excited. That's, for... that's, that was an ugly game, ruin all over it. Isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I've got, I've got. Um, I'm excited for the pre-match and I'm excited for the post-match. I'm not excited for what happens in between. Uh, and just a quick heads up for any uh, Bolton fans who are travelling to the game. I believe that there is a bus replacement service to Millwall, so give yourself plenty of time. I mean, you are nothing but a giver, uh, as well as a grower, as we established earlier. <laughs> a League One, Portsmouth return at Scunthorpe on Saturday. Some of them go to Walsall, but it all kicks off on Friday with Coventry, Peterborough. Scunthorpe, Portsmouth, interesting. Luton going to, to Gillingham, I think, will be a relative test for them this weekend. Anyone got anyone else they want to pick out? There's a definite test for them. It's actually the kind of game, a clash of styles. They're dealing with a very physical team, Mm. aren't they? They'll they'll look to make it a fight and a scrap and uh, get get the ball up to Tom Eaves and and see what he sort of damage he can inflict. Yeah, again, it's one of those where if Luton can go there and control the game and play their football even though Gillingham are doing all they can to make it a different type of game, then that will, again, outline Luton's credentials. League Two sees Lincoln play swapsies with Milton Keynes, will they, as they take on Mansfield? That's a one o'clock kickoff on Saturday. Milton Keynes go to Stevenage at three. Notts County at Morecambe as they look to try and stop that slide. Cheltenham, who went above them, take on trademark high-flying Newport. Uh, uh, they're at Cheltenham, of course. Crawley Crew, Macclesfield, Geoville, Northampton, Grimsby, Port Vale, Swindon. Stevenage, Milton Keynes, Tranmere, Oldham. I think I mentioned them last week, but Barry, we've spoken about them again today. The quality of those goals from the weekend. I think O'Donnell got the, the fourth. He was a substitute as well. as Stephen Gerrard-esque. And some amazing goals and all uh, whistling past the goalkeeper. So Cambridge a little bit unlucky, having taken the lead at Oldham at the weekend. That one, and I wanted to ask Joe, actually, out of all the teams not really in the reckoning at the moment, Northampton, I think, are going to climb that table would there be any odds for them to get into the promotion shake-up? Yeah, so, um, I mean, they're pretty much mid-table at the moment, as mid-table as you could get. But in terms of uh, getting into the, the playoffs, they're 6-1. They're to one. So we kind of think that, as we've talked already about a couple of teams, they're in a bit of a false position mm. at the moment. Uh, and if you want to stick a couple of quid on them getting promoted, they are 10-1. to one. Thank you, Joe Crilly, Adrian and Sam Parkin. And thank you to you for listening at The Totally Show for anything you want to see. Have a lovely week. Bye-bye. You've been listening to The Totally Football League Show, a Muddy Knees Media production. For sales and advertising, email sales at muddykneesmedia.com and be sure to check out our other football shows on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Audio Boom, and everywhere else you get your audio on demand.